Section 15 of God and My Neighbor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jared Duran. God and My Neighbor by Robert Blatchford. Section 15 The New Testament The Resurrection value of the evidence in law christianity as a religion must i am told stand or fall with the claims that christ was divine and that he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven archdeacon wilson in a sermon at rochdale described the divinity and the resurrection of christ as the central doctrines of christianity the question we have to consider here is the question of whether these central doctrines are true Christians are fond of saying that the resurrection is one of the best attested facts in history. I hold that the evidence for the resurrection would not be listened to in a court of law and is quite inadmissible in a court of cool and impartial reason. First of all, then, what is the fact which this evidence is supposed to prove? The fact alleged is a most marvelous miracle, and one upon which a religion professed by some hundreds of millions of human beings is founded. The fact alleged is that nearly two thousand years ago, God came into the world as a man, that he was known as Jesus of Nazareth, that he was crucified, died upon the cross, was laid in a tomb, and on the third day came to life again, left his tomb, and subsequently ascended into heaven. The fact alleged, then, is miraculous and important, and the evidence in proof of such a fact should be overwhelmingly strong. We should demand stronger evidence in support of a thing alleged to have happened thousands of years ago than we should demand in support of a fact alleged to have happened yesterday. The resurrection is alleged to have happened 18 centuries ago. We should demand stronger evidence in support of an alleged fact which was outside human experience than we should demand in support of a fact common to human experience. The incarnation of a God in human form, the resurrection of a man or a God from the dead, are facts outside human experience. We should demand stronger evidence in support of an alleged fact when the establishment of that fact was of great importance to millions of men and women than we should demand when the truth or falsity of the alleged fact mattered very little to anybody. The alleged fact of the resurrection is of immense importance to hundreds of millions of people. We should demand stronger evidence in support of an alleged fact when many persons were known to have strong political, sentimental, or mercenary motives for proving the fact alleged, then we should demand when no serious interest would be affected by a decision for or against the fact alleged. There are millions of men and women known to have strong motives, sentimental, political, or mercenary, for proving the verity of the resurrection. On all of these counts, we are justified in demanding the strongest of evidence for the alleged facts of Christ's resurrection from the dead. The more abnormal or unusual the occurrence, the weightier should be the evidence of its truth. If a man told a mixed company that Captain Webb swam the English Channel, he would have a good chance of belief. The incident happened but a few years ago. It was reported in all the newspapers of the day. It is not in itself an impossible thing for a man to do. But if the same man told the same audience that 500 years ago an Irish sailor had swum from Holyhead to New York, his statement would be received with less confidence. Because five centuries is a long time. There is no credible record of the feat, 
and we cannot believe any man capable of swimming about 4,000 miles. Let us look once more at the statement made by the believers in the resurrection. We are asked to believe that the all-powerful eternal God, the God who created 20 millions of sons, came down to earth, was born of a woman, was crucified, was dead, was laid in a tomb for three days, and then came to life again and ascended into heaven. What is the nature of the evidence produced in support of this tremendous miracle? Is there any man or woman alive who has seen God? No. Is there any man or woman alive who has seen Christ? No. There is no human being alive who can say that God exists or that Christ exists. The most they can say is that they believe that God and Christ exist. No historian claims that any God has been seen on earth for nearly 19 centuries. The Christians deny the assertions of all other religions as to divine visits, and all other religions deny their assertions about God and Christ. There is no reason why God should have come down to earth, to be born of a woman, and die on the cross. He could have convinced and won over mankind without any such act. He has not convinced or won over mankind by that act. Not one-third of mankind are professing Christians today, and of those, not one in ten is a true Christian and a true believer. The resurrection, therefore, seems to have been unreasonable, unnecessary, and futile. It is also contrary to science and to human experience. What is the nature of the evidence? The common idea of the man in the street is the idea that the Gospels were written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were contemporaries of Christ, and that the Gospels were written and circulated during the lives of the authors. There is no evidence to support these beliefs. There is no evidence outside of the New Testament that any of the apostles ever existed. We know nothing about Paul, Peter, John, Mark, Luke, or Matthew, except what is told in the New Testament. Outside the Testament, there is not a word of historical evidence about the divinity of Christ, of the virgin birth, of the resurrection or ascension. Therefore, it is obvious that before we can be expected to believe the tremendous story of the resurrection, we must be shown overwhelming evidence of the authenticity of the scriptures. Before you can prove your miracle, you have to prove your book. Suppose the case to come before a judge. Let us try to imagine what would happen. Counsel, my lord, may it please your lordship, it is stated by Paul of Tharsis that he and others worked miracles. The Judge Do you intend to call Paul of Tharsis? Counsel No, my lord, he is dead. Judge Did he make a proper sworn deposition? Counsel No, my lord, but some of his letters are extant, and I propose to put them in. Judge are these letters affidavits? Are they witnessed and attested? Counsel. No, my lord. Judge. Are they signed? Counsel. No, my lord. Judge. Are they in the handwriting of this Paul of Tharsis? Counsel. No, my lord. They are copies. The originals are lost. Judge. Who was Paul of Tharsis? Counsel. My lord. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. Judge. You intend to call some of these Gentiles? Counsel. No, my lord. There are none living. 
Judge, but you don't mean to say, how long has this shadowy witness, Polytharsis, been dead? Counsel, not two thousand years, my lord. Judge, thousand years dead? Can you bring evidence to prove he was ever alive? Counsel, circumstantial, my lord. Judge, I cannot allow you to read the alleged statements of a hypothetical witness who is acknowledged to have been dead for nearly two thousand years. I cannot admit the alleged letters of Paul as evidence. Counsel, I shall show that the act of resurrection was witnessed by one Mary Magdalene, by a Roman soldier. Judge, what is the soldier's name? Counsel, I don't know, my lord. Judge, call him. Counsel, he is dead, my lord. Judge, deposition? Counsel, no, my lord. Judge, strike out his evidence. Call Mary Magdalene. Counsel, she is dead, my lord, but I shall show that she told the disciples. Judge, what she told the disciples is not evidence. Counsel, well, my lord, I shall give the statements of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew states very plainly that, Judge, of course, you intend to call Matthew? Counsel, no, my lord, he is, he is dead. Judge, it seems to me that to prove this resurrection, you will have to perform a great many more. Are Mark and John dead also? Counsel, yes, my lord. Judge, who were they? Counsel, I, I don't know, my lord. Judge, these statements of theirs, to which you allude, are they in their own handwriting? Counsel, may it please your lordship, they did not write them. The statements are not given as their own statements, but only as statements according to them. The statements are really copies of translations of copies of translations of statements supposed to be based upon what someone told Matthew and Judge, who copied and translated and recopied and retranslated this hearsay evidence. Counsel, I do not know, my lord. Judge, were the copies seen and revised by the authors? Did they correct the proofs? Counsel, I don't know, my lord. Judge, don't know? Why? Counsel, there is no evidence that the documents had ever been heard of until long after the authors were dead. Judge, I never heard of such a case. I cannot allow you to quote these papers. They are not evidence. Have you any witnesses? Counsel, no, my lord. That fancy dialogue about expresses the legal value of the evidence for this important miracle. But legal value not being the only value, let us now consider the evidence as a mere layman. End of section 15. Recording by Jared Duran.